On today's Fantasy Baseball 15, we'll look at the impact of a couple of Diamondbacks injuries. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, May 13th. I'm Al Melchior. I'm here with Derek Van Riper. DVR, uh, big, big injury news here uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Zach Gallon was scratched from the start. He was supposed to make against the Marlins on Wednesday night and then subsequently placed on the injured list with, as uh, Tori Lavillo termed it, a minor UCL sprain. I'm actually sort of paraphrasing there because he said uh, something along the lines of a minor sprain of part of his UCL. Um, so that's pretty pretty cryptic. Uh, doesn't sound necessarily uh, very good. Gallon's going to be shut down for two weeks and then reevaluated. So, of course, there's the fantasy impact here. There's the Diamondbacks impact. So let's start with the Diamondbacks impact. Uh, Matt Peacock got the start in Gallon's place against the Marlins. Uh, this is a sinker baller. He throws sinkers more than three-fourths of the time, or at least so far this year. That's what he's done. Uh, I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but is there appeal in mixed leagues for Matt Peacock? No, I think the replacement for Zach Gallon is probably Corbin Martin. He started... On Tuesday at AAA Reno, his second start of the season there, uh, 6Ks, a couple of walks, went five innings, only allowed one run facing Salt Lake for the second time this season. I was a little surprised he didn't open the year in the Diamondbacks rotation, but there might be some concerted effort to limit his innings over the course of the season, and it would not surprise me at all if Martin gets that next opportunity when Gallon's turn comes up again. And if Martin actually sticks around and ends up replacing somebody else in the rotation, if and when Zach Gallon is healthy again. All right. And then fancy wise, uh, of course, it's hard, if not impossible, to really replace Zach Gallon. But um, in terms of uh, pitchers that are out there, is there anybody that you feel like is under rostered, uh, somebody that you've been sort of fancying maybe to give a shot in, in a 12 teamer at this point? I'm going to tear up your outline and say uh, Logan Gilbert is probably your best option available <laughs> in a lot of mixed leagues, right? If he wasn't stashed, I think he's the kind of guy that could come up and have a lot of success right away. And we found out that Gilbert is joining Jared Kelnick and making his debut for the Mariners on Thursday. I mean, we're talking about a guy with a four-pitch mix, good command, uh, really hasn't found any resistance coming through the Mariners system you could argue that Logan Gilbert is immediately a top 60 starting pitcher, which makes him rosterable in just about every type of mixed league. And he's the kind of guy that brings probably number two starter ceiling, maybe even ace type ceiling long term. So he's a guy to be excited about and maybe a silver lining if he's out there in a league where he just lost Gallon. Absolutely. And that folks, is what we call a smooth segue, because uh, certainly we were going to get to Logan Gilbert. And we will talk about him again a little bit later on. Uh, but before we move on to some other news and notes, uh, let's stick with the Diamondbacks here. Christian Walker has gone back on the injured list with the sore oblique. Uh, so on Wednesday in that game against the Marlins, you had Isdrubal Cabrera moving over to first base and uh, Josh Rojas coming in from the infield, going back to second base. So Dalton Varsho 
filling in in center field. Uh, it would seem like he's probably the main playing time beneficiary here uh, in a an increasingly thin Diamonds back roster. Yeah, so the third time in four games that Varsho is starting, and when he was recalled a couple of weeks ago, my concern was that he just wasn't going to play enough to be viable even in two catcher leagues. But with this added Christian Walker injury, that might be at least the temporary absence that pushes Varsho back into two catcher relevance. All right. Well, we talked uh, a few days back about Khalil Leal. Uh, Excuse me. We talked a few days back about Khalil Lee coming uh, up for the Mets. And in fact, that has happened. But with the news that we talked about on yesterday's show with Brandon Nimmo uh, coming back possibly this weekend, probably a short stay up with uh, Lee. So did want to update that for you, but uh, probably not worth going out and grabbing in most mixed leagues, given that uh, roster situation. Uh, we have several players here who left games early on Wednesday. Chris Bryant, leaving early against Cleveland, was hit on the wrist by a pitch. Uh, David Ross says that he thinks that Bryant's just got a wrist contusion, so let's hope David Ross is correct about that. JT Muto, he is day-to-day with a bruised left knee out of the Phillies lineup against the Nationals. On Wednesday, Didi Gregorius left that game early with the stiff right elbow. Jose Urquidy left Wednesday's uh, start against the Angels in the fourth inning and then was uh, subsequently uh, deemed day-to-day with shoulder discomfort. So hopefully that one uh, does not become anything worse. Alberto Mondesi is going to start a rehab assignment with AA Northwest Arkansas on Thursday. So good news there as he works his way back towards a return. This one, uh, DVR, a little bit concerning, uh, although it's certainly been reported in a way that kind of soft pedals uh, any kind of uh, longer-term issue. But Carlos Rodon had his uh, start on Thursday pushed back, so he's not going to start Thursday against the Twins due to a tight hamstring. So uh, we'll see when Rodon takes them out again, hopefully soon. And Mike Soroka, uh, of course, he's been out all season uh, as you, I'm sure, recall, uh, early last season, tore his Achilles. And now that, that Achilles tendon is giving him some trouble again, giving him some discomfort. So Soroka is going to undergo exploratory surgery. Uh, and that maybe puts his season in jeopardy, DVR. So uh, at this point, I guess we wait and see, but maybe the possibility that you drop Soroka in, uh, in redraft leagues. I'm definitely hoping for the best, but erring on the side of caution and preparing to drop Mike Soroka in pretty much all mixed leagues. All right. So we'll uh, certainly see how that one develops over the coming days. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, So another day DVR with lots of great pitching, not so much great hitting. The one team that exploded offensively was the White Sox on Wednesday night, uh, but probably one of the, well, really everybody in the lineup uh, contributed or almost everybody, but certainly one of the heroes was not somebody you would necessarily have picked right away. Billy Hamilton, who hasn't really played a whole lot, but as of this recording, he's got a single, a double and a triple, and he stole his fourth base of the season against the twins. 
And the part of that line that actually catches my attention is the fourth stolen base because Hamilton, I mean, you figure if there's anybody out there who can pile up some stolen bases without a lot of playing time, Hamilton's certainly one of the few people that you could pinpoint. So where where's it worth targeting him even without the likelihood of much uh, playing time in the future? With regular playing time indefinitely, he could probably pace out to be a 30 or 40 steal sort of player. He's done this with low OBPs in the past. I think with the multi-hit effort on Wednesday, he's at 276 for the season. He's a 295 OBP guy for his career. But he does as much with that low OBP as any speedster can possibly do. Uh, So again, really deep leagues. If if you had a loaded offense with everything but steals and a 15-team mixer, maybe you could use him as a a short-term source of speed. But that's a pretty specific situation. So I'd be careful, even though he can help in that one category. All right. And then the only other player really uh, worth noting uh, from the hitting side is Teoscar Hernandez because he busted out for a two-homer game in Atlanta. So he's now up to five on the season, but had been in something of a power slump, but seems to be working his way out of it over the last uh, four or five games or so. So let's get to the pitching because that, once again, was the story on Wednesday night. And let me focus on a couple of pitchers who line up currently for two starts next week. Zach Davies and John Lester. Uh, Davies been better lately. Not great, but you know, con- considerably better than he had been early in the season. Five and a third innings uh, at Cleveland. One run on six hits and two walks with four Ks uh, over his last uh, three starts. And that includes this one at Cleveland. 16.1 innings or 16 and a third. Uh, just two earned runs, the strikeout to walk ratio, not good eight to six, but no homers and a 55% ground ball rate. So with that contact management, perhaps giving, giving him more success, would you try him versus the nationals at the Cardinals next week? Yeah, those are two below average offenses on the season. And I say that knowing that Juan Soto has missed a lot of time and with him, the Nats are probably closer to a league average offense, but Catching them at Wrigley is enough to say this two-start week is, in fact, good enough to go ahead and pick up Davies and and stream him. All right. Do you like him better or worse than John Lester? Lester with a a fair start against the Phillies. uh, Six innings, just one run, uh, but four strikeouts and three walks for Lester. Not a great ratio there. But the, the matchups are really good at the Cubs than home versus the Orioles. Uh, I would say I like Davies just a tick more than Lester at this point. I think Lester's skills actually trouble me a little more at this stage of their respective careers. So uh, I think they're both worth bidding on, at least in 15-team leagues. I don't know if I'd go much shallower than that with Lester at this point. All right, and let's follow up on James, James Caprillion. Uh, we talked about him on Wednesday's show, and he made his starter debut. Uh, had appeared before as a reliever for Oakland, but uh, a really nice start at Boston. A tough assignment. Lasted five innings, just one run on four hits and three rock walks with six strikeouts. And very impressive whiff rate for him. 15 whiffs on 95 pitches. So I don't know what the future holds for him, if he'll stay in the rotation. But at this point, it, does this start make you want to look for him and in certain leagues, uh, certainly not the shallow ones, but in certain formats. Yeah, in deeper leagues, especially I think with the keeper or dynasty element, I think I'm more interested. Home against Houston and road against the Angels if he's on schedule for next week. So two starts, but two you don't feel particularly good about. So I'd still tread carefully, even though the 2021 debut was a good one for Caprillion. 
All right. Well, uh, I did promise a little bit more Logan Gilbert talk. So here we go. Our Thursday streamers, Gilbert at home versus Cleveland uh, with Zach Plezak going for them. Garrett Richards has been really good lately. His last three starts, 22 strikeouts, two walks over 19 in the third innings with a 284 ERA. Uh, pretty good matchups, though, for him. The Mets, the Rangers, the Orioles. He gets Oakland this time in Sean Manaya, Rich Hill versus the Yankees and Jamison Tyone. Merrill Kelly with a nice matchup versus Miami and uh, Rogers going for them. And uh, Daniel Lynch and Spencer Turnbull uh, facing off. I know a lot of people are probably going to be shy about starting Lynch at this point, but uh, a nice matchup for both of them. So Gilbert, Richards, Hill. Kelly Lynch and Turnbull, who's worth streaming? I would say Gilbert Richards and Kelly are definitely in there for me in most leagues. I would say Lynch and Turnbull, unless you're talking about like a 10 team league, are both in. I like Turnbull actually a little more than Lynch because I trust his skills a tick more at this stage. Hill, I think, is pitching a little better than we saw earlier in the year, but the Yankees are a lineup that I don't want to mess with with a guy that only throws two pitches. So, uh, while I'm somewhat confident in Hill being useful more often than not, this is one of those times where he's just not that useful. Yeah, the matchup's tough, and does he go six innings or does he go three or four? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> it's hard to predict. All right, well, let's uh, finish up here with our weekly stock watch. couple of players up, couple of players down. Jorge Polanco's been on fire, and before Wednesday's game, uh, he was 12 for his last 31 with a couple of homers, four doubles, and a triple. So pulling the ball a lot more and just hitting with more raw power lately. Uh, so that's really boosted his power numbers. Yusei Kikuchi, we've talked about him recently, but just to underscore his recent performance, he's had three straight games in which in each of those starts, he's had a swinging strike rate of at least 15%. And in those three starts combined, a 33.3% strikeout rate and just a 5.3% walk rate. So Polanco, uh, Kikuchi, and they're out there in a lot of 12-teamers. So do they belong at this point? I think both do. The Twins lineup should be good enough where the counting stats are a little better than similarly skilled players to Polanco. And Kikuchi, he's not somebody you're using all the time, but you're using him enough to where I think you do roster him in just about all mixed formats. All right. Now, Eduardo Escobar, he is uh, rostered in quite a few 12-teamers. Uh, he used a kind of a uh, all-or-nothing approach early on, and now it's just been just the nothing part of it. Uh, one for his last 23, and that one hit a single. Now, that does not include Thursday's uh, game against the Marlins. Uh, and speaking of the Marlins, Pablo Lopez, the, now the results, other than his most recent start, have been fine, but the underlying peripherals, a little worrisome, an 8.5% swinging strike rate over his last three starts. Uh, although the contact that he's been allowing has typically not been on pitches in the, the strike zone. So if you're looking for a silver lining, that's it. But still, just a 15.9% strikeout rate and 10.1% walk rate over those three starts. Yeah, definitely surprising because Lopez was someone that I thought was pretty solid coming into the season. Uh, I think you got to drop him down from use him just about all the time status to carefully use him at home and select matchups until he starts to turn things around. Yeah, strange. And, you know, that that's one that you got to be careful with because, again, if you look at the surface stats, it's it's pretty easy to overlook the uh, the warning signs. So, uh 
That's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you do have an opportunity to rate and review this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Friday. <laughs>